Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Some of you may know uh, who I am or may have met me personally. And so today... Uh, I want for those who don't know me, maybe just to get a little bit of an insight and a snapshot into who I am and the things I do and uh, I guess even just some of the things that make up, I guess, who I am and where I've come from. And um, so one of the things you need to know about me today is that I classify family as one of the most significant and important things in my life. I have two sisters uh, who are younger than me and both married and have children. One sister has four kids and the other one has three. I have my work cut out for me as an auntie. It cost me a fortune every time because I started something when they were born that I can't finish. And now that the eldest is 17, I'm like, 18's the draw line, okay, people? Like, 18 is the draw line. But like, I love my nephews and nieces and I love spending time with them. And I had an auntie myself who uh, invested into my life. We would go to her place and we'd play games and cards and she just would pour into us. She would take us out. She would spoil us. And it was kind of the precedent that was set for me as that's what I experienced and that's what I want for my nephews and nieces. And uh, so like any good auntie, would, spoiled them rotten. And uh, I actually loved uh, taking them on part of the things that I enjoyed. So one of the things you need to know about me is that I love dirt bikes. I love dirt bikes and I love to go out riding with my nephews. And we're going to see on the screen behind me a photo that will uh, show you my nephews and those who have been out with a ride with me. And so Annie Ree loves to, to, to ride dirt bikes and hang out with the nephews and take them out. And it's one of the things that I had invested in. My sisters and that were like, you know, if you want to do that, you can do that. So Annie Ree was buying the motorbikes. Annie Ree was doing all of the things to keep them all protected. And, uh, and, and I loved taking them out. But the one thing I hated was dirt. I hate dirt. Honestly, I hate dirt. I cannot handle dust and dirt. And so the moment we'd get back, we would go straight to the car wash and we'd wash the bikes. Now, I had a bike, sold my bike. And when I sold my bike, the guy was like, it looks like it's never been ridden. And I was like, that's because I, I look after my bikes. I don't like dirt. And, uh, and so I don't like dirt under my nails. I don't like dirt in my car. I don't like dirt in my house. I don't like dirt in camping because you have to be able to do dirt. But the thing is that I learned is that when you go road biking and dirt biking, you've always got to be open to the idea that there is going to be dirt. Dirt and dust. And so behind me, you're going to see a photo uh, that is of a moment where I was riding. And uh, I rode someone else's bike, not the greatest idea, when doing the jump, not weighted according to what I knew. And I went up on this jump and my dad and I were, were riding together and he was taking photos and I was taking photos of him. But he took this photo and he thought it was hilarious. And as I went up, as you can tell, that's not going very well. It's leaning forward, uh, sorry, leaning backwards, but the momentum's going forwards. And so that bike was going to come back on me and land on top of me. And so uh, in that moment, I made a decision that I knew was going to cost me and hurt me and land me in the dirt, but did it anyway. And I threw the Superman. So I was Superman vertically for a moment. And then I was like, this has got to change. And I threw the bike and literally landed Superman style horizontally, just boom, and hit the ground. And so as you can see, I was covered in dirt. And for all my friends, 
got a laugh out of this because they know I despise dirt. Now, when I went home and got changed, there was dirt everywhere. Couldn't help but find dirt. And you know, it wasn't long after this moment that as I was riding through with the bush with my nephews and nieces, we let them have a, have a turn and we always had this rule, stay to the left. If you're passing each other, just stay to the left. Left on your hand is the L, yeah? So if you just stay to the left, you'll be fine. My sister and I were sitting there and watching my nephews ride back and forwards and we saw them as they came together and they had this like little collision. When I say little, it wasn't that bad, but it was bad enough to make us take a breath. And so like they just coming towards each other and they just forgot which way was left. And so they both collided, they fell off their bikes and as a result, both me and my sister ran towards our nephews, her sons, my nephews. And as we got to our nephews, we just both in that moment fell into the dust and into the dirt to pick them up and to make sure that they were okay. And, you know, as we picked them up and embraced them, I noticed that my sister was missing in action. So I've got one nephew in my hands and I'm looking at the other one who is abandoned not by intention, but literally my sister was running and ran up the hill and fell over and literally fell into the ground and she was sort of like a good 30 seconds behind and I saw her coming towards me and I was like, man, you, you were slow. And she got up next to him and picked him up and nurtured him and covered him. But then I looked at her leg and from her knee to her ankle, she was skinned on one side. She was wearing shorts and she literally slipped into the dirt, slipped into the dust and fell and grazed her leg. Now, in that moment... Both me and my sister knew that dirt is not healthy. (laughs) In that moment, we realised that dirt has microorganisms in it and it's not healthy for the body. And so like anyone, you would get a bottle of water and try and clean it up. But as my sister went back into routine and life, we packed up the bikes and we went home, that wound began to become an infected sore. And she was like, I can't show you pictures today on the screen because it's that gross. Like I said to the media team, can we like put the photos up? They're like, no, no, no. Like it was that bad. But you know, dirt is not healthy. And despite your dad's and my dad's idea, when a sausage falls off the barbecue, it is not okay. It's not okay. But you know, in Jesus' time, Jesus' time, the dirt and mud were dust, were rendered as foul and unclean. It was so much so that the Pharisees were obsessed with being clean on the outside and they questioned Jesus' disciples and asked them, why do you not disciples not wash their hands? They're ceremonially unclean. And yet the Pharisees were not clean on the inside. Jesus was clean on the inside and yet he was not afraid to get dirty. You only got to look at Jesus in the example. He walks up to a, a blind man, picks up dirt in his hand, spits into his hand and then rubs it into a dude's eyes. Jesus was okay with dirt on the outside, but he had a clean heart. Now, let me say, we, 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 we have prayer services. You come forward, you get prayer. Anyone coming forward today, if I say I've got mud, I'm going to hock in it, I'm going to put it in your eyes and you're going to see. Like, anyone? Anyone? No takers? I didn't think so. It's because we intrinsically know that there's something wrong with dirt and we try to avoid it with everything we have. How comfortable are you with dirt? Today I want to talk to you from this concept. The concept is this. What does it mean to be a dirty disciple? 
What does it mean to be a dirty disciple? And one of our kingdom value, uh, kingdom culture values is that discipleship is not an option. And when Jesus says that if anyone would come after me, he says he must follow me. And I believe that Jesus is the ultimate example of what it is to be a dirty disciple, clean of heart, but dirty and willing to get in the dirt. What does it mean to be a dirty disciple? Jesus illustrates it with his life and with his interactions throughout the Gospels with people. And Jesus wasn't afraid to sit, bend down, to scoop up the dirt and do that to someone's eyes. So we're going to turn today to John chapter 8, verses 11, 1 to 11. And I want to preference this story because many of us will read this passage of Scripture and read it through lenses that we have been preached to about it previously. But today I want you to just like, kind of like let your mind go as if you've never heard the story before. And you're right there in the moment as Jesus is leading in this situation. And it says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. And a crowd had soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. And he was speaking to them. Teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd and teacher, they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says to stone her. And what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And he, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and he said, all right, let the, be the first one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers had heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning at the eldest, only until Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. Now, previously, the perspective of this message, we speak on the grace of Jesus in this moment and situation. And yes, and amen to that. But today I want to focus on what Jesus did. He didn't just deliver grace, but he showed us what it was to be a dirty disciple. And I've realised this, that as a church, we are praying for people to be saved. We're praying for, for, for us as, as individuals to grow in our faith and understanding of who Jesus is and in following Him. And this is what it actually means to follow Him. See, when you start dealing with people, you start dealing with more problems. Broken lives are messy. And they do create great messages, but it takes time. And the process is discipleship. And so what is a dirty disciple? In this moment, Jesus lays down the picture for us to see today. And that is firstly, he stooped down into the dirt and into the dust and used his finger to write in the dirt. Now, some would say, some commentaries and some scholars say that he wrote down the Ten Commandments. And then when asked again, he wrote down the Ten Commandments again, imicking that of what happened with Moses when he went up to the mountain and Jesus, uh, God fingered on tablets of stone the commandments. But in this moment, Jesus bends down into the dirt, getting down on her level 
looking into her eyes. Could you imagine what it would have been like for this woman in her brokenness, in her mess and in her sin, actually caught in the act, thrown in front of Jesus and all the religious leaders to be seated in that moment and yet have the Son of God stoop down so low as to get into the dirt and to write with his finger where she could see it and where she could feel it. This is what it looks like to be a dirty disciple. And a dirty disciple is one who will get down in the mess and the brokenness of people's lives. Get down in the mess and put our fingers into the very thing that's considered unclean. In every one of our lives, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and we are messes and broken before our holy God. But yet he chose to come into the dust and the mess of our lives. A dirty disciple is someone who will get down in the dirt with somebody else. See, when my sister ran towards her son, it was love that compelled her to run. It was love that caused her to get up despite her own injury and run to her child to make sure that her child was okay. It was the love that compelled her to do so. And she has, because she has a relationship with her son. And discipleship is all about relationships. And John 4, 13, 34 says, So now I'm giving to you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And Jesus did this for us. He came down. God's love compelled him to send Jesus. And he came down into our mess and our brokenness. And he put his hands into the dirt of our lives. He didn't have to, but he was willing to and willing to get his hands dirty. A dirty disciple is someone who will get their hands dirty for somebody else. Mark 10.45 says, For even a son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life for a ransom for the many. And being a dirty disciple is others-focused. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get, but it's simply about what can I do to be a part of the mess and brokenness in someone else's life and allow Jesus to step into that situation and to be there in the process. And my sister with her leg, we are, after a week of watching that wound not get any better, she had to actually go and seek medical treatment for it. And as you get a skin graze like that, all the nerve endings are just going absolutely wild. It's excruciatingly painful. And she was sitting in a medical, um, medical waiting room waiting to see a doctor. And as she got up, she passed out from the pain. Now, we did all we could do to tend to that wound, to clean that wound, but she actually needed to go to somebody else. The medical do doctors in that surgery pulled her, called an ambulance and took her off to the hospital, got her set up on a drip, of our antibiotics and treated the wound, cleaned the wound, but literally had to go in there and pull off the bandages in the most painful and excruciating way, my sister to bite her tongue and just hold on as they cleaned out the wound and re-bandaged it. And it was a mess that couldn't be cleaned up by anyone else. It couldn't be cleaned up by her, but it had to be cleaned up by somebody else. She couldn't do it for herself. It needed medical attention. And we live in a broken world with hurting people who need someone to get in there and to deal with the mess and their brokenness. 
And a dirty disciple is not only someone who will get down in the dirt, but someone who is willing to get their hands dirty for somebody else. A dirty disciple is also someone who will clean up the dirt off somebody else. John, Jesus, in the book of John 13, Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples. In John 13, verses four and five, it says that he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into the basin, and then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. And then later, in verses 12 and 15, through to 12 to 15, and verse 14, he says, since I, the Lord, the teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you this example to follow, do as I have done to you. It's what Jesus did. He was okay to get down in the dirt of people's lives and clean them up. See, Jesus does the supernatural, but He expects you and I to do the natural. He expects us to engage with people's brokenness and their hurt and their pain and their difficulties and their challenges in life. And you've only got to be in this world for all of a couple of years to realise that life is challenging. Life can be perplexing. And as a Christian, you could be in it for five minutes and realise, oh my gosh, everything didn't disappear when I just gave my life to Jesus. I'm still a mess. I'm still broken. I've still got the same thoughts. I've still got the same mess in my life. And you actually need some help and some support. And this is what Jesus does. He does the supernatural work in us. He calls us to be new creations. Old is gone, the new has come. We are clean, we are washed, we are blood-bought saints. But we've still got to deal with our sin and our brokenness. And this is what He calls us to. As disciples and as followers of Jesus called to follow in His footsteps. Whose feet are you washing? Whose wounds are you cleaning? Whose world are you engaging in the brokenness? See, Jesus does the healing work in people's lives. See, my sister, when she went to the hospital and they stuck her up on a drip and got antibiotics flowing into her body, literally there was a healing work that was taking place. But it still required that nurse to come in every day to pull off the bandages, to get down to where it was dirty and where it was needing cleaning and clean it out and redress it. And our lives require Jesus to do the supernatural, but it actually requires others to come round and do the natural. And in our world, there are so many broken and hurting people who are living this life alone and isolated. And it's God's intent that all men would know Him and that He would find them and they would find Him. And He does that through you and I. You remember the story of the young man in Mark chapter five. There's a young man, he's possessed. The Bible says he was actually cutting himself. And so cutting isn't a new thing. Cutting is in the Bible. But he was so tortured by his own mess and his own sin and his own brokenness that he was running around the tombs, cutting himself naked. It says in the Bible that they tried to restrain him and they couldn't even restrain him. Nothing could help him. Nothing can hold him. But then Jesus, in one moment... One moment walks into this young man's life as he's coming past the tombs. He comes running out and Jesus delivers him in that moment, brings healing to his body. And the Bible goes on to say, you can read this later in Mark chapter five, it's 20 verses for the sake of time. I'm only gonna hit these moments out of verses 14 and 15. And it says that Jesus had an encounter with him and left him absolutely changed. 
And it says the herdsmen went to the nearby towns and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they run, ran about this young man because the whole city knew about this man. And people rushed out to see what had happened and a crown suit gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, not just one or two giving him a hard time or a bad day, but a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and in his right mind. It says in this version, perfectly sane. Then it says that they were all afraid because they had seen the power of God so demonstrated that a supernatural work was done and he was completely healed and completely changed. But I want you to notice in this verse that this young man, it says that he was fully clothed. Do you think clothes just fell from heaven? Do you think that they did all of a sudden he just was like, boom, there's the miracle, I'm dressed. No, 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 no. Someone had to clothe him. Someone had to get down in the dirt and the mess of his life with the wounds that were open, clean them up and clothe him. I'm telling you right now that it's God's intent that not only would He do a miracle in someone's life and bring health and wholeness and healing to their mind and to their body, but that we would engage in the dirty mess of someone's life and be willing to do the journey with them, to clothe them. Somebody dressed him, someone provided for him and someone cleaned up his wounds. It took the time to be with him. And I want to tell you, if you've ever been around someone who's cutting, someone who's hurting, someone who's broken, it is a messy and it is a messy situation. Yeah. You know, there are so many messy situations in our lives. There's broken families, broken marriages, sickness, lack of loss of jobs. There's so many things that echo and resound the brokenness in our own lives. And that's why every weekend we open up the altars for people to come forward for prayer because we know God can do a supernatural miracle. But we want you to know, it's not just the prayer line that alters things. We have life groups established in this church so that you can do life and ministry with others and not do it on your own. He never called you to do life on your own and just be like me and Jesus, we got it covered. No, He called you to community. He called you to relationship with others. Funny that this passage that says that the young man, he wanted nothing more than to go with Jesus and the disciples. Why? Because there's a desire in every single one of us for community. Yeah. And Jesus ushered him back in and said, hey, no, this is a part of the community you need to go back to. You need to go back to your family. You need to go back to those people and tell them what God has done for you and then reproduce the same. Yeah. And God's calling us. He's calling us. He's calling us to go after broken lives and be disciples who would be dirty and get in the mess of people's lives. He's looking for people to step in and do the natural. And a dirty disciple is someone who will go the extra mile. Today I was sitting about thinking about this and I was reminded of the ultimate Scripture that many of us would know. It's a Scripture in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what I love about this passage is that Jesus paints the picture of people who would just bypass the situation and walk past it. But then he brings in the Good Samaritan who walks into the situation, the mess and the brokenness of someone's life. And not only does he come and he pour wine and oil over his wounds and bandage them and fix them, but he literally sticks him on his own donkey in which he would have been travelling on, sacrifices self and walks the distance while this young man sits on his donkey and he ushers him to an inn. And he goes in and says, I'm going to give you two denarii. 
And whatever it costs, I will come back and pay the rest. But I'm invested in this man's life. I want to do above and beyond. I want to go the extra mile. And Matthew 5.41 says, Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, then go two. Because Jesus paints a picture for us as dirty disciples that it's not just about doing what's expected about it, it's about going above and beyond. Because in the same way Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, He went above and beyond. He bore the stripes on His back for us. He went the extra mile and carried the cross to Calvary. He did the above and beyond that you and I get to reap the benefits of. What are we doing? And I believe that there are three things that we can do to be dirty disciples. The first one is this. Do relationship with people. Find someone to get down the dirt with and disciple them and do life with them in the mess and their brokenness. Because Jesus stayed in the, in the dirt with that woman until she got her breakthrough. He only got up to address the crowd. He went back down the dirt, not once, but twice and stayed with her until everyone else, the accusers had left in order to see her restored and redeemed. Are you willing to stay the path for someone's breakthrough? You'll only know as much of God and only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. Billy Graham says this, salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything that we have. And discipleship requires relationship, proximity. And can I say, don't assume that someone else is doing it. Who is your neighbour right now? Do you know their name? Do you know the areas of struggle? Do you hear the, the brokenness through the windows as there's fights going on in their families? Are you willing to go and meet and connect and build relationship? My next question is this though. Do you know the person sitting next to you? I'm not talking about your spouse or the friend that brought you along. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you that you just happened to sit next to today in this service. Do you know them? Willing to be invested and get into their lives? Because I'm telling you, this is what we're called to. We're called to do relationship with one another. We're called to, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to get in the mess of the brokenness of lives. And you can't do that without proximity and without relationship. The second thing you can do to be a dirty disciple is this, do the natural. Be willing to get your hands dirty. It's messy, but it's so, so worth it. You know, the phrase, get your hands dirty, means to do the hard work. <laughs> In our culture, dirty hands are a sign of hard work. How dirty are your hands? We'll never change the church. Sorry, we'll never change the world by going to church. We'll only change the world by being the church. And don't be afraid to get your hands dirty because we pray every weekend for people to come to know Jesus. We're praying for friends and family, your friends and family, and the people that we do life with down the street, the ones that we cross over. We're asking that God would do something that would radically save people and to see community transformation. And yet God chooses you and I to be a part of the process. And I'm only going to make a quick mention of this, but maybe you don't know where you could find someone to get your hands dirty with. Well, in due time, Numicare app will be released and you can engage in something, getting your hands dirty and being involved in someone else's life. But it's the same for here in church. We've got a woman here in our church and she's, she's just a regular attendee of church. She loves Jesus. She loves his people and she's willing to serve. Comes in, does what she can do to be a part of things. 
But she's not on a team, but she totally connected with someone on a Sunday service that was new, that had come along with a workmate and was just checking it out. And in that moment, she engaged in a conversation, invested beyond herself, invested beyond her own moment. And literally that person at the end of the service asked the question, how can I be involved? How can I volunteer? Because people don't want to know that you love them and care for them. They want you to show them that you love them and that you care for them. Can I just say this? Let's never forget the fact that we actually came from dust and that we're never too good to get down in the dust with somebody else. Discipleship is not the responsibility of a few, but the responsibility of all who believe. It's not if you're rostered on. It's not for the elite. It's not for the select few, but it will cost you. And the last thing to do to be a dirty disciple is this. Be willing to go the extra mile. Go further than expected. You know, I uh, went to Bunnings recently to pick up something and quite, quite perplexed by the nature and how big Bunnings is and, and literally you've you got to ask someone about where those things are. I hate it when I go to the supermarket and they're like, yep, down aisle, blah, 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 and they just point the direction. It's not helpful. But at Bunnings, they'll literally tell you where it is, but there'll be someone down that space that will come up to you and ask you, hey, do you need something? Do you need a hand with something here? And they'll take you to the item in which you were looking for. They go the extra mile. Not only that, when they walk you there, they're talking to you about the project and then they make suggestions and they assist you through the process to try and find a better option. And see, you can sit here during a Sunday service and you can see the hands go up in our service as new people come in. And we pray that as your new person here today that you would have encountered the love and acceptance of the family of God in this place. It's so well known for it. But the question is, when we see a person's hand go up, do we just go say hi or do we take it the next extra mile and invite them to dinner? We don't want to just welcome somebody. We want to actually connect with them. And when someone walks in for the first time with kids struggling under their arms, we don't want to just point to the kids' ministry. We want to walk them to the kids' ministry because we're invested in who they are. And my question to you is this, what was the extra mile in your journey? What was it that someone did in your world that was the extra mile for your journey? Because this is what discipleship is. Discipleship, a dirty disciple is someone who will do relationship and find someone to get down in the dirt. They'll do the natural. They're willing to get their hands dirty and they'll go the extra mile and be willing to go further than expected. And this is what dirty discipleship is. It's not a program but it's a life on life following Jesus, sharing his word, seeking God with others. Can I just say this? I've seen generations missed in church. The different churches I've been to and the different churches I've been a part of, I've seen them miss a generation because they didn't invest and disciple the next generation. And they were very good at doing life together, but not very good in including people into the process and along the journey. And a church that doesn't disciple will dissolve. It'll dissolve. And our, my prayer is this, is that we as a church would understand our responsibility of following Jesus, being like him, being willing to get down in the dirt and the mess of someone else's life and seeing them restored, healed and whole like that of the man in Mark chapter 5. Doing and seeing, sorry, seeing God do the supernatural, 
as we participate in doing the natural. I'm just going to ask in this moment, if this message has stirred you, you can feel God is speaking to you about this. I just want you to ask, close your eyes and ask yourself this one question. What am I willing to do to be a dirty disciple? Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.